0: I'm gonna tell you what my guess was. My what guess was, was my guess was a 1978 remake starring Donald Sutherland called Invasion of the Body
1: Snatchers. God. Is that your number five? No, it's not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it did. It, it didn't make my. Uh, it didn't make my top twenty six.
0: So what you're saying is invasion of the body centers is not, it's not indicative of what you typically enjoy <laughs> for a horror flick. <laughs> Ding. I get it. And we are live. Let's go. This is the Dos Padres podcast. I'm Major J. That guy, that guy right there, that's a Sundance kid. We're here covering the Boston sports scene with plenty of other antics and fun mixed in. And we have got a jam-packed show for you this week. Sundance, we've got Red Sox. Fighting for their lives in the ALCS. We've got the Patriots coming off a tough loss at home to the Cowboys last weekend. We've got another Fantasy 5 segment. We've got another round of NFL picks. And we're going to close it out with another Top 5. This being the Halloween season, we are coming with our Top 5 Horror Movies. Sandance, how you feeling? And more importantly, what you sipping on?
1: Uh still repping the aquafina so yeah. uh,
0: we still haven't heard from the reps yet and I don't know what's going on with that
1: <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, you
0: know we're, we're not coming together I thought they were supposed to corporate sponsor this by now this is episode 5 I, I don't know what's going on uh, we're gonna have to reach
1: out yeah still waiting on the free merchandise from aquafina but um, i a t-shirt <laughs> no no t-shirts no uh, no keychains Um no swag from Aquafina yet. So let's pump the brakes. Um, It's still early. I'm confident that that sponsorship is on the way. What would you be sipping on this evening, Major J?
0: Well, thank you for asking. So, Nance, uh, I am sipping on a coffee, hot, with little Baileys mixed in, well done. You know, yeah, yeah. well, uh, I'm actually sipping from a mug that I feel like encompasses my feelings on the ALCS right now, um, as well as just the inevitable incoming weather that will be hitting the Northeast in the coming months and uh, weeks and months. And I'm going to go ahead and take a sip right now.
1: Mmm, warm. Well, that certainly sounds good. Uh, major J back to the theme of tonight's show. How are we feeling? Um, you know, isn't it, this is just the way of a new Englander. It, It really is. I mean, you get kicked in the teeth, you get punched in the face, um, you name it. The insults are there. Um, but we'll be smiling again because that's the way of a New Englander. It's just like the weather, uh, you know. It is it is gorgeous and the sun is shining. And thirty seconds later, where did those clouds come from? It's a downpour and with a chance of snow. And that's in June um, sometimes. So, <laughs> you know, we were feeling great about the socks. I mean, geez, they were uh, they were really. Uh, taking it to the Astros offensively, the home runs, I believe they were setting records for you know most home runs in a postseason. I think they had 21. It was, it was, yeah,
0: crazy. All those, I just you know, uh, even just coming in the game two and game three alone were the series were uh, was insane the way you know. This A few days ago, you know, you you know the ups and downs in the series already have been kind of crazy off of game one going to Houston, smacked around, cross Korea. Yeah, we know what time it is, blah blah blah. All right, not looking good. Next two games, next two new games, we we come out in just lace, lace, yeah. lace, yeah. lace. Um, yeah. we were just talking about this, you know, Luis Garcia was game two, started knocking him around, and magically he's got something wrong with him. So, so some kind of – he's hurt, something's up, and magically he comes off and they give eight hours to Jake Odorizzi to throw, throw some more, long toss, go in the outfield, spit some seeds, come back, and eventually <laughs> 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 make <laughs> his way to throwing a few pitches, just to get knocked around anyway.
1: Yep. Um, yep. And then,
0: you know, game three, came home, eruption. Uh, was that 12 to 5? 12 to 3? 12 to 3. 12 to 3. You know, 12 to three. Came out, went out to a 9 lead. To give that three run homer to Kyle Tucker, I believe. And it's like, oh, all right, hopefully, let's not let them back in it. And we did. It was just, it was a bump in the road. But yeah, man.
1: Uh, yeah, then games four and five, which, uh, it, you know, the offense just went to sleep, unfortunately. Um, I wasn't really surprised with Framber Valdez. Framber. Has not been our friend this season. If you look up the numbers, right, uh, he in back to back starts back at the, the early turn of the season, April, May, right. um, he shut us down. Yeah, he was nothing the best new. Guy right. I wanted to see get the ball this postseason for the Astros against the Sox. Sure enough, came up really big in game five. Um, Astros have been putting runs on the board. Um, Sale gave a as, effort, as, right? as
0: good as we could possibly have asked for, given what he had shown those first couple starts. Yep. I, I mean, you know, and that's that's the big the big talk now in the news is is whether Cora left him in too long, and that sixth. Sure. Uh, you know, I wasn't I wasn't upset with it. I you know to me it was a bit a bit of hindsight. I only because he was coming up against lefties. I, I don't know that Josh Taylor. Would have come in and necessarily like I wouldn't have felt good about bringing Josh Taylor into face necessarily a a uh, an Alvarez or what have you either. So you know, I'm not saying I he should have been left in, but I wasn't up in arms about it like I feel like everyone else has been in the in the you know in the typical Boston media about it. Um I, I think it was just it was a tough spot. I mean, he was he was facing that lineup a third time. Again, he had two big lefties in Brantley and Alvarez. Um I, I don't know. I mean, who else would he have brought in? And again, besides Taylor, who do you, who do you have face those guys? I think At that point, he was probably just like, he's throwing the ball well. Let's see if he can get the lefties out. I, I get it. It just didn't work out. Um, but, again, I think we got as much of of Sale as we possibly could have. And Like you said before, I think if the bats had woken up and didn't go 12, 13 innings between runs, we're not as focused on those runs You know that he gave up because he left Sale in too long in the six because we're you know because some runs are on the board and okay you know whatever but some runs are on the board that changes the complexity of the game anyway so right I, I don't know like I, I don't know it's it's very odd that this team went into hibernation for again twelve innings thirteen innings with the bats all of a sudden they're you know the pitching becomes an issue you know the bullpen obviously didn't look good either of those last two games. Guys seemingly feel like they're pitching like out of their normal roles, which isn't true, but that's what it felt like. Uh, all of a sudden, the defense goes to crap, and Schwarber gets distracted by you uh, running to third and drops that throw to first. And it's like it felt like the August Sox. All of a sudden, it felt like somebody waved a wand and yeah. the August Sox just popped right back up.
1: And, and I do have one fear, and that is that Cora. Overmanaged uh, game four with Eovaldi coming in to pitch the ninth. I
0: I, I would agree with that one. I'm with a, you on that
1: one. A lot of friends that I've talked to, people in the office, you're you know reciprocating it back right now. Yeah. Um, I didn't love that move because Ivaldi's your game six it's starter. Felt too cute. Well, here's the thing. Um, you know, we got this from JD in the Bronx on last week's show. Right. Um, the more times you see a pitcher the more likely you are to pick up on his tendencies and hit him a little bit more, just as Absolutely. the Sox really destroyed Garrett Cole a couple times. Unless your are
0: Valdez? In which case um, we're, it's a, it's a mystery for well, the entire
1: so, season. So listen, th- there's just some guys that, that are, there's yeah. just some guys that, that are going to spook you and, and Framber Valdez is that guy. He has our number. The great right. thing is, okay. The great thing is, um, we're, we're probably not going to see Framber Valdez again in this series uh, in games six or seven. Right. Uh, he's done. Um, we have Eovaldi going uh, tomorrow. You hope yes. that that ninth inning appearance didn't do anything to his effectiveness come right. tomorrow in game six. Um, I do like our chances in game six. Game seven is a total crapshoot. Uh, I, 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 I have real nightmare visions of Erod uh, coming off the mound in Game Seven, second yeah. inning, down yeah, eight on. to nothing, yeah. and, and the entire Astrodome or wherever the heck they play Minute Maid Park, Minute Maid Park. is 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 all collectively imploded, asking, yeah. "What time is it?" Eduardo Rodriguez, um, you know, that's... which
0: he he set himself up for, unfortunately, but you know, nonetheless, yeah, um, yeah we we definitely definitely fear the those the E-Rod blowups that we've unfortunately seen too many of this year um, before he kind of went on this, this hot stretch recently, but that those have those came way too frequently during the season uh, where mm-hmm. he just, if he doesn't have it, he doesn't have it. And yeah, second, third inning he's gone because he's given up five, six earned and he's walking off dejected head down, etc. Um, Yeah. And like you said, it makes you wonder going back to Cora, uh, he, he obviously knows Erod, knows his pitching stuff better than anybody, and including that stuff. I think he's definitely clued into those types of things. Would he potentially look past Erod and make that start and go to a Pavetta?
1: I think he would, actually. I, yeah, and, I and, absolutely uh, think he would. You and I have talked about this. Uh, i said this before. I don't think Alex Cora deep down really likes Eduardo Rodriguez. they Those two have had their spats, yes. and, and quite yeah. frankly – Erod has taken the higher road most of the time. <laughs> um, I don't think right. he. I, I, I believe he's a free agent to be this this coming uh, off season. Eduardo Rodriguez. Chef, I believe I he's, he's coming out. up.
0: Yeah, right.
1: I, I'm pretty certain he's a free agent, and I would be shocked. You're if right. He did actually, not tell his agent explicitly. I'm, I'm done. I am yeah. not going back to Boston. Um, yeah. I think I've heard that Alex been
0: speculated before. a bit throughout the season that that you know what his future is going to be, if at all, with, with this team. Uh, right. and i so, agree I mean
1: so we we have listen we, we have you know plenty of shows to, to talk about the offseason and and the hot stove i agree with you I think Pivetta gets the game seven start but we gotta win game six first uh okay. let's go evaldi there's no other pitcher I'd rather have going and' I'll, this is the last thing i'll say is um you and I have uh you know certainly had our, our heyday of wiffle ball um and high school baseball and little league and all that, uh which counts for absolutely nothing in the professional sports world. But you'd have to agree, an off day when you have a slumping offense is probably a good thing. So this travel day, I think it helps right. the Sox right. more absolutely. than it helps you. Get
0: get them out of their heads, take a breather. Reset, refocus. They know they've already won a game and, and knocked the socks off the ball, so to speak. In game two, they know they can go back and do it. This team, in general, with with this whole season, and especially through the playoffs, is not phased long term with these right. types of situations. They know how to regroup and yeah. refocus. Core knows how to get that, that that get this team. Not that he needs to, but he he always has his finger on the pulse. Of this team knows how to get them right. I, I I'm not. I'm and concerned,
1: obviously, that, but. And, and on that note with Cora pushing the right buttons, it's a long flight to Houston. I He's queuing up. He's oh, queuing up uh, game five from the 1986 ALCS against the Angels when Dave Henderson took <laughs> Donnie Moore deep <laughs> in the game. It, yeah. it was People were punching their tickets for the Angels to go to the World Series. Right. Um, I think Cora is putting a little bit of that on the Jumbotron in the plane, and they are going to see that, you know, we can win on the road. We've done it. We're going right. to do it. Let's get it done, boys. Let's, let's go. Just, just
0: Like you said, just let's get that first one. We'll worry about game seven when we get there. But I think they're going to definitely rally on the fact that they have Evaldi on the mound. And going back to your point earlier, I don't think that ninth inning situation the other night is going to affect him. I, I I think he's he's any any type of mental issues when it comes to that stuff. I think he's locked in. Hmm. He knows his job. He's going to go out there. He knows that was an out of out of character. Out, you know, it wasn't his role. It just that was you know what you want it up. You throw in the trash and move on. Now he's gonna lock into what he's what he what he knows. He's gonna go in, and it should be a good game. And they, they just need to come in, and knock Luis Garcia around like they did game two. Um, and like your friend Pedro likes to say, "Who who is Luis Garcia? Who is Luis Garcia?
1: Who is Luis Garcia?"
0: <laughs> When the it's Boston media asks Pedro
1: Martinez, who's
0: pitching for the
1: Astros? Are you afraid of him? Who is Luis Garcia? We are not afraid of Luis Garcia. No, Absolutely sure. not. I'm Let's go. Poppy,
0: Poppy behind, the, behind the scenes calling the game for Fox uh, or FS1 is is going to be right there um, doing the same thing. So, yeah, I guess we will uh, – a week from now, next show, we'll be talking about either uh, Sox in the World Series or Sad Faces – red socks wrap up heading into like you said hot stove but yeah all right i think that uh wraps up our socks talk for now uh so, yeah, so as we move into our next segment you and i i think we agree we appreciate everyone who is following along with us so far to this point um if anyone out there if you're watching on youtube please like comment subscribe turn your notifications on so you don't miss any future shows uh if you're Catching us uh, the audio feed through your favorite podcast provider. Please rate and review. It would mean click the world the, to click us. That little,
1: click that, that little like button, that little yeah, thumbs little up. thumbs
0: up. Just Go click ahead and it. It takes click on um, that. just a moment. And if and if you really want to, it would be nice. You know, hit the little red subscribe. And hit the little bell, too. But whatever. Um, it would mean a ton to us. We would even might even be your best friend if you
1: did. Uh, all, all right. All right. Enough plugs. Where are we going next? Major you know Jack? where we're
0: going next. We we are we are taking on some Patriots talk here.
1: Um, we're taking on uh, Bill Belichick is what we're doing. Um, I am happy to dive right into this. Please, please. And I got a bone to pick with the Hall of Fame coach. Listen, I I am a number one Bill Belichick fan. Um, I, I watch Bill Belichick a football life religiously before and during every Patriots season. Good old YouTube. There's two parts to it. It's such an awesome behind-the-scenes take. I believe in Bill Belichick and his leadership. How... Talk to
0: me. Yep. Oh, boy.
1: He missed something. He missed something really big on Sunday. So if I could see as a fan... Watching on my TV at the end of the fourth quarter that his defense was completely gassed guys. Weren't even rushing the quarterback. They were so tired. They got down in their three point stance. The ball was snapped, and they would stand up and they would just kind of look around as if, okay, where's the ball going next? The defense was gassed. Therefore, major J why? On 4th and 3, near midfield, in overtime, do you punt the ball to Dallas, who has carved you up left and right? Um, I don't know how you feel about that call. I think this game is on Belichick. If, if oh, you ask I, me. I, I'm vehemently
0: um, with you on this. I, yeah, I, this, I this felt was a like, I on like his like
1: part. Uh, felt- th- 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 hold on. Th- this, this was a dual Belichick. This was a Steve dad, oh,
0: yes Belichick. Steve
1: dad, this, this, was, this was defensive coordinator and, and head coach. Steve Belichick should have grabbed his dad by the arm, thrown him on the field, called timeout to the officials himself before the punt team actually punted the ball and said, Dad, our defense is done. They are toast. They are. They can't stop anything right, right now. They couldn't stop a five-year-old handoff. You cannot put our defense back on the field. The game is over. I can guarantee you, the game is over. Why? And what happened? It, we Belichick <laughs> has made these gutsy calls in in the past. Yeah, where you've said, "Oh boy, I hope they get this fourth down," and sometimes they do, sometimes right. they don't. This one was clear, and Belichick has said it in the past. Right. If if the defense isn't stopping anybody or if the offense isn't scoring any points, he's going to go one way or the other, and he's not afraid to make a gutsy call. Yeah. That was the game. I've said my piece on it. He should have gone for it. And
0: oh, I, I 100% and agree. And that's the thing. I feel like there's been a few of these. Not a ton, but there's definitely been a few of these this season where he's yeah. made these calls, and it's left you thinking – that doesn't seem like something <laughs> Bill would have done, even a year ago. Like it's yeah. almost like who is this new exciting? You know what he yeah. maybe he thinks is a new exciting Bill Belichick? It's not exciting. It's, it's stressful. It's hurtful. It it, it makes me want to throw up. Yes, um, at times, and you know especially when you've got a team on the ropes, and, like and Dallas,
1: the... right? And, and here's the thing it's it's when you go it's when you go into the office when you talk to your buddy off to the side, a family member, a dad or brother whatever and you both finish each other's sentences in, in overtime I really didn't like oh when they punted yes I mean when people are talking about it in that sense, you know that this was a bad call um right and it was a bad call. they should have gone for it.
0: And there's always you know, we know there's always the armchair quarterback, second guessing, et cetera. but this is this this goes beyond that. This is just when it's a universal head scratcher again, from somebody who you're accustomed to generally making the correct decisions when it comes to play calling and, and, and situation management, this that one in particular is a, is, a, is a perfect microcosm of this where you, you're just left like, Bill, what what? Like, did Eric Mangini jump in and take over your body for a, a few plays? I don't understand. Like, it just it, it came – He he's he's usually much more adept and aware when it comes to situations yep. like you just pointed out with a gas defense to say, okay, we're going to need to take a shot here because otherwise we're, we're just handing them points.
1: There you go.
0: I, I don't know. And Again, with a team like Dallas, it's not like it was, they had been – even if they were gas, it sounded like they had been stifling that offense. Like, they were starting to hum – and we know what they are. Even if they weren't humming, we we know what they are. They're a high power and octa, you know, high octane offense. Yeah. Like, I, I just feel like he you, you, was like, I'm just playing with fire. He was playing with an inferno. Like I don't, I don't know. I just, I don't understand. No, it.
1: Dallas is is loaded. I mean, they've got they've got two skill position players at at the critical positions on offense. Yes. I mean, they've got two good tight ends. uh They've got two. Really good uh, running backs. They've got three yeah, fantastic wide receivers. I mean,
0: uh, you know, at this point, maybe four, because Quincy Wilson's out there making incredible catches. That catch he made was a fourth down on the sideline uh, to extend that play down the stretch. That ended up leading to the game-winning touchdown. to Lamb, um, or no, I'm sorry, that was that was the extended catch to go out to, to so they could tie the game to, to force an overtime. I mean, he's their four really five. When you think about it, they got Dalton Schultz at tight end, you know, and that's why because they, Michael Gallup um, hurt an IR. So yeah, I mean, I just, I don't, like so, we said, so we, had, we had them, we had them on the ropes, not oh. to say we were going to win the game, but we had them in a position where we, the Patriots had them in a position to at least maybe try to be, to have a spot to maybe steal this game, especially after that born that broken yeah. play, boring touchdown. And it was just given away. They marched right down tied, sent it over and then I believe it was JC Jackson correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was JC Jackson that had that, that bad coverage. Well, really, he just bit too hard on the the play fake that went to Lamb for the touchdown to win in overtime. Um when it was just, you know, he gave it, he gave a nice it, little bye bye and then shove.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. It might have been Mills did not have a great well, I'm game. sorry, I think it
0: might have been Mills. I think it was Mills. It was yeah. Mills.
1: Yeah, so, so Mills I stand was, corrected. that's okay. Mills was exposed a little bit in this game. He was exposed um, a lot.
0: I mean, if anything, he made himself look like he should have never been signed after that game. Um, and I had Mill—I mean, great. It's it's, it's far gone from now, but I—I I was never a fan of the Mill sign to begin with. Other than we did need some depth, but this is right. why he, he had—he's had stretches like this in Philadelphia where he just—you—you you can't count on him to cover, you know, a wet blanket. Uh, it's just—it's—it's a—I it's, uh, don't know. I, yeah, it's, so, it's disappointing.
1: Uh, Oh, oh, so I'm glad you just said that. As a friend of mine in the office said to me when I said exactly that to him. I said, you know, it was just a disappointing loss and he stopped me and corrected me. He he literally stopped me and corrected me. Right. And he said he said not disappointing loss. That's a tough loss and he's right because these are games that they should be winning. I mean, these are right. you know, a disappointing loss is when you lose by 20 and you thought you thought you'd be in the game or you thought you were going to win. That's disappointing. Your expectations are up here. The product on the field is down here. Oh, you let me down. These games, you're just, you're, you're, you're in for the roller coaster ride. Mac throws the interception. Well, there goes the game. Hey, wait a second. There's enough time on the clock. We can dink and dunk a little bit. No Mac and, and you know, Mac and, uh, and uh who, who caught the touchdown? Kendrick Bourne. Mac hits Kendrick Bourne um on you know a 30-yard pass, goes right back at Diggs. I yeah. mean, you're just like as a fan, you're like, this is this is this is this, is, this is what we wanted to see. This like I, the fact that see. they were
0: they were finally forced. It took a really good offense to come in yeah. and force their hand to really play that way. And it kind of and this will lead a little, bit, a little bit into when we get into to, to preview of the Jets game. But I, I, it forced them to open the, open that up a little bit. Not only really say really open it up, but really force the passing to drive the ball. Right. It took, and and I think it was somewhat successful. And the fact that they went after straight after Diggs. Because Diggs, even though he's getting all the highlights and the acclaim right now, He's a ball hawk and a good one, obviously, like that with, with an interception sure. in every game so far this season. He's not necessarily a great cover corner. He's an opportunistic ball hawk corner. Yeah. And I think they knew that. And they're like, all right, you know what? If we can we can bait this guy a lot, they can get broken plays like that where he overpursues. And somebody you know, it wasn't just it wasn't just um digs in that play. There was the other corner of the safety that came in and overplayed that play, went for the pick, and that's what led to the born touchdown. But nonetheless, like they qu- clearly identified that and went after it right. uh, which was nice to see mac driving that ball a little more and he, the fact that it's encouraging to see he could do it all that makes it all the more tough to see that in the end that defense and some of the play calling and situational calling wasn't there to finish it out because we've said it before they when you have games especially with this team that's basically playing 500 ball you can't you can't let a team like that off the hook It's it's basically like the old Denny Green when he went ape on his press conference about you know they are who who we thought they were we let them off the hook. That's what happened in this game. They had them on the ropes. That would have been a massive W for this team, a massive L for the Cowboys. And instead, you know, they instead it looks like Dak and company come out looking like like heroes, like incredible, rightfully so.
1: Right, so, so you hit on you know a really big point there, um, which in essence is this: uh, we should be four and two. We, we we should we could be. There's a chance we could be five and one right now. I mean, we should have beat the Bucks. We're you know it's, that, that that's a game that goes either way. Uh, yeah. um, we should have right. beat the Dolphins. That's a right. fumble, you know, on the ten yard line as we're driving to take the lead, um, and then this game. I mean, we are a few plays away from being five and one. Think about that. So that's, what's going to keep me on the hook here a little bit longer. I've been on this train that, you know, every week is a must win. Um, But we know with the NFL crazy things happen. And you're starting to see some of these other teams that started off hot slide back to the pack a little bit. You see what's happening with Denver. Denver's on the verge of their fourth loss. They're down 10, nothing right now. Um, They are. You've also seen Carolina come back to the pack a little bit. Wow. I mean, you know, certainly McCaffrey's a big player for them. We all know that. he's right. He is the team. He is the offense. He is the safety valve that they they rely on so critically. So so the good news is let's preview, right, uh, if we can, the, the Jets team. Yes. Um, well, I'm going to do it again. Same thing as Houston. I mean, we, we better win this game 30 to 10. Um, air it out. I want to see both tight ends uh, with touchdowns in this game. John Smith has got to get on track. Aguilar's got to actually hold on to the ball.
0: He Um, needs to actually catch the ball. Right. He needs to stop alligator arms some of these passes. Uh, You know, a good point on on John, uh, and I actually saw this just tonight. He was back. He's back uh, run blocking this past game. Run blocking at 70% of his snaps. So a lot of it is. Granted, he—you know—I wouldn't say he's out there playing his best anyway. When he has been running routes, but when when you're when you're paying this guy the amount of money they went at, they went after him aggressively in the off season. and and I understand it's all need based and and you can't anticipate that. But when when you had this guy who was supposed to be kind of a foundation of your your passing attack, him and Hunter Henry with the two with the, yeah. the two tight end sets, and you've got to bring him back and and run block seventy percent of the time. I mean. Far be for me to say, but it certainly seems like you are not necessarily utilizing his talents uh, to the utmost. Uh, and I know Henter Hunter Henry's been the pass catching you know, you tight know who, end to this point, but John who is can can catch the ball.
1: You are so right. You know who blocks really well. He doesn't catch the ball that well. He doesn't get open ever, but he he blocks pretty well. You know who 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 should really be doing the brunt of that. I'll, I'll give you one guess. All right. Go ahead. I'll give you. Here is the clue. One guess. Who should be doing that? That's right. We're going down, yes, That's we right. We going down this road again. Yes, we are. We are going down this road. It's funny to say that because he, one, or former first round draft, he
0: player. was out there a number of plays down the stretch in that game against Dallas. I saw him lining up tight, and I'm like, "Are you lining up tight to run around? Or are you actually going <laughs> to stand back?" Is it, it's Sunday's it's actually be prophetic in this? And he really just ran up no. the field five yards and threw a couple of hands out, which I'm like, that doesn't count. Um,
1: I'm telling you, I, he's a waste. He of could the be roster the spot. I keep saying it.
0: Well, we've got that. we got that trade deadline coming up in a week, Sundance, and they uh, yeah. could be getting some, feeling some calls for Mister Harry.
1: Well, that's for next Said week. Nobody. I would, nobody. nobody. So, so listen, they they need to open it up. I don't need a statement game out of the defense because it wouldn't impress me. It's the Jets. Um, anything less than thirty to ten is is going to be disappointing. Not tough, but disappointing like let's go guys hang a a, a nasty l on on the jets here you know to really send a message to the rest of the league that you know we're, we're, we're getting there we're getting better and um and then you put yourself in a position to get 500 against the chargers and i know the chargers are fantastic but we seem to play well against the Chargers and come out on top.
0: Well, we also did beat that Chargers team last year, I think 43 yeah. to nothing. Uh so great, a different situation etc. Right. but uh you know, another team that maybe is going to come out of the back. Again, we, these these are types of games, I I feel like this team with even through that loss last week because of the flashes we saw on offense, and it goes back to what I was saying earlier about maybe opening up the passing game a little more. I think maybe what we saw against Dallas on the offensive side is going to start carrying over to this game with the Jets and maybe Mm -hmm. kind of rolling forward. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see things open up more on offense, taking some more chances, trying to make it, like you said, maybe not a statement game, but sort of a statement game. And we can use that to springboard. This team is certainly, I think they're better than their record. I don't think they're great, but I think they're certainly better in the record. And I think right. they're certainly capable of putting things together middle of the season for the second half to maybe roll into some wins. And this yeah. can certainly be the, the time where that, that starts to happen. So I, I agree. I don't know I don't know about 30 to 10. I'll take 23 to 10. That that would I'd be I think that's probably in line with expect 23, 26, 27, something along those lines. Um I think if they are gonna open up that offense a little more. Uh, I mean, it would lead. It would lead to mid to high twenties in points. So, uh, I don't know. I think 30, thirty points. That that's that's Sundance's marker, and I think we're going to be holding them to that. All right. Any final thoughts on the Pats as we go into the Jets game before we move on?
1: They better score thirty points.
0: They better score thirty points. All right. All right. That wraps up our Patriots coverage. We'll be back to talk about the uh, review, of the Jets game next week. That will now take us into Fancy Five segment Sundance. Your favorite, awesome. my favorite, everyone's favorite. I know. If you've been waiting with bated breath for this, I appreciate it. You're holding on. All right. So as we move let's into let's our see Fancy
1: the, let's F- see the five minute time count go. All
0: right. It's it's a soft five minutes. Uh, That's. <laughs> soft five minutes
1: you are rather thought, loquacious as it would, well you're...
0: i i will do my best for yours and everyone else's sake but before we get into our players a uh, couple couple quick points here uh we are moving into bye week armageddon we have six teams on bye this week sundance dallas mm-hmm. pittsburgh buffalo the chargers jacksonville minnesota uh, there are a lot of good players in those teams, notably Buffalo and Dallas are going are gonna to hurt a number of owners and rosters out there. So people are going to be screaming a little bit. Waivers have already run for this week, at least the first, the first round of waivers have already run this week. Players that have been dropped for those claims are probably still on waivers, uh, ready to get claimed maybe tomorrow morning, Friday, over the weekend, et cetera. Everyone's got to stay diligent with that. And remember this time of year when you've got body week armor again like this, week seven, a lot of teams are out there. They need a win. They need a W. They like the Patriots. They need a win to stay alive, to kind of move forward.
1: 30 points. Do,
0: do, do you, get, you need to score much more than 30 points in fantasy, but point taken. They, uh, You got you to DTN, do the necessary. Do whatever you need to do. Scrap, claw for a W this week, folks. You're going to have to make some uncomfortable decisions, maybe some guys you don't want to drop that you've been holding on to. That, that's what it takes. You need to get a win. Do what you got to do. Get it done. All right. That said, we're going to go ahead and bring up our five players here. All right. Now we are going to start with number five, Alan Lazard. Now, as you see by the little tag, week seven ad. So basically, this this is for this week only. This is not a a big ad for down the stretch. Uh, this guy is not going to help you win any championships. This is for this week. Specifically only, going back to the point I was making earlier, Alan Lazard is uh, currently 3% owned on Yahoo. He's basically free and available anywhere you can get him. Uh, Green Bay's taking on the Washington football team, who has notably has an atrocious uh, pass D, as we saw last week against Kansas City, who roared back to, to take them out in the second half. I um, expect Green Bay to have their way with them at Lambeau. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, still on IR, makes Lazard essentially their number two, three receiver, and three if you want to count Randall Cobb. Devontae Adams is going to do what he's going to do, but there's going to be other receivers involved in this passing attack that Rodgers is going to have fun with. I think Lazard is going to be a part of that. He's a nice, cheap option to plug in at your last flex play for this week only. If you need some cheap points, I think this is the guy to go and get quietly that can help you to a W that everyone needs. All right, from Lazard, we're going to go to number four, Calvin Ridley of the Atlanta Falcons. Now, he's owned everywhere. Everyone knows him. He was a first-round pick in a lot of leagues and PPR. Uh, this is a guy, if you can, go out and trade for now while you can. He's coming off of, two weeks ago, that game in London, that home game in London, Sundance, uh, where he <laughs> really did not play. He ended up not playing for personal reasons. Uh, screwed a number of owners on that this guy included, Uh, they are coming off a bye last week. So really, is a kind of a quiet guy where I think you can go and maybe gauge his owner a little bit as far as his availability, who probably going to be fed up with his performance to this point as he's underperformed, not necessarily his fault. He's been utilized a little weird as far as um, his his average depth of target is a lot shorter than normal. I do think the Falcons showed a lot of signs of the offense coming out a little bit with that game a couple weeks ago in London against the Jets. Uh, I think Pitts is starting to emerge, which is going to help Ridley a little bit. Matt Ryan's been playing well his last three games, eight interceptions, no picks. I think things are far, finally starting to move a little bit for this team as far as getting some cohesion offensively. That's just going to benefit Ridley. I think he finally gets back to normalcy and towards expectation with where we drafted him at the end of the first, early second round, established himself as the alpha. Falcons have a nice schedule coming up, I believe, eighth in terms of strength of schedule against the pass. I've, now that... We've already established that Stefan Diggs was the, the big trade target for the receivers last week. Now Ridley takes over that number one spot in terms of going and trading for a receiver. I would go out and get him um, at a reasonable price if you can. Number three, Damien Harris. Sundance, you can perk up for this one. Damien Harris of the New England Pats. Uh, if you own him, within reason, I say you go out and explore trying to move him to see if you can get something for him. Um At this point, you know, as we know, he's been getting beat up a little bit the last few weeks. He had a chest injury, did some stuff here and there. He's starting to seed some snaps and situations to Ramondre Stevenson a little bit. I think that's starting to shake out to be more of a timeshare as the weeks wear on. I think exploring getting something of value for Harris now while his value is still pretty good. Even though he had a rough game last game out, I still think his value is high enough where the name value is there. He's a Patriot. You, You might get something good for him. Uh, before this turns into a full-blown timeshare on the backfield. Uh, Cindy, it's one other thing. You, you can help me out here. Another reason that you may want to look into moving him. See see the graphic here? You yes. see the way he's holding the ball right there? This is actually taken just moments before another presumed fumble that we know yeah. he's been having issues with. So uh, the fumbles are not helping a situation at all.
1: I'll get it off the screen. but Can we move on to all fantasy right. tip number two? Or sure four? we can. Four. Trey Damien
0: Harris. All <sighs> right. Number two, Michael, oh, Michael Gallup.
1: Gallup. I know this name.
0: Yes, you do. Uh, he is currently on IR for the Cowboys, yeah. but uh, he's forty-one percent owned on Yahoo right now, so he's, he's readily available. He might be on some other folks' rosters in the IR slot. Either way, if you can if you can pick him up or add him, I would absolutely do it, and it's really um, indicative in general. I want any piece of this Cowboy offense I can get with the way they're running. I think they are just going to keep getting better and better as season goes on. If it means getting Michael Gallup as a piece of it when he comes back, fine. Uh, it, it's also indicative in general. I'd be going out and trying to trade for and buy uh, C.D. Lamb, Zeke, anyone else that I can get my hands on in this offense right now, especially with the fact that they are on by this week. So if any of these guys are on rosters and teams that you you can identify that need a W right now, maybe you can get them a little cheaper than you normally would've been able to. So I would Mike Michael Gallup or any other cowboy if you can, but Gallup being the most available one I'd go and add him if you can and until he gets activated off IR you can stash him in your in your IR slot until until they activate him. All right. Brings us to a number 1. Rashad Bateman receiver from the Ravens. 28% owned on Yahoo uh, at the moment surprisingly low given the fact that he was on everyone's Mm -hmm. admittedly on everyone's ad list this week for waivers uh he was their first round pick out of minnesota this year there's a reason why the ravens made a point to draft a receiver in the first round this year folks i know this team has been primarily a a run heavy offense they needed to add more receivers to that to that depth chart behind um, marquise brown Bateman started off slow, had a had a groin pull or groin injury that, that kept him on pup early. He came back last week for, for his first game, ended up playing a lot more than they thought. Two thirds of the snaps he was on the field for, 22% target share, uh, which is only going to go up. Uh, the Ravens love this guy. Sammy Watkins is still hurt, and again, going back to the point, Ravens are primarily a run offense. They have not been that way this year. They've got uh, a cavalcade of fossils in the backfield running this ball right now. It's Devontae Freeman, uh, the ghost of Le'Veon Bell, uh, Latavius Murray. They'd they bring back Ray Lewis, if they could, to run the ball out of the backfield right now, if they could, just to have warm bodies at this point. They're passing the ball at a much higher rate than they have in years. Lamar's accuracy is top five right now. If you go back a few weeks ago, I was telling people to buy Lamar Jackson. This guy's tied to that. This guy's a playmaker. He may not – Sir Marquise Brown is Hollywood Brown is number one, but he's going to be a great number two. I would get him now while you can, and then play him as quickly as this week uh, against Cincinnati. All right, that pretty much wraps up our fantasy five. Sundance, so, do you feel a little more knowledgeable? Feel a little better? Do you feel like you feel like you're getting the hang of this a little bit? Are you ready to jump in the league? Maybe do a league? A little, little bit. Ball? You add
1: guys. You you trade for guys. You wave certain players. Um. A key word tonight is indicative. So there must be some predictive analytics that 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 you are hip to. And I am picking up on these These. tendencies. Right. We're, we're, we're
0: going to get you there. We are going to get you there. Slowly but surely we're going to get you there. All right, folks. Yeah, but do what you can. Go and get that W this week. And we'll check back in with another Fantasy Five segment next week, Um, which rolls us into our next segment, Sundance. It's uh, one of our favorites. It is. Week seven NFL Padres picks. But before we can jump into our picks for this week, we need to take a look on how we did last week. Only because we have to, not because we want to. We will nonetheless. Let's take a look. Week six, I went six and eight, sad face. You went eight and six, which puts us both tied in mediocrity at 40, (laughs) 36 and one
1: over 500 it's all over 500 at over this rate we'll be
0: alternating months driving to each other's homes with <laughs> beer in hand i don't know what that means uh let's let's hope not but god we are just barely better than adequate
1: all right. all right let's get it going
0: all right so that said let's go ahead and i'm gonna go ahead and bring up our dk sports book i did a
1: lot of research uh online this week uh for these picks so i am confident uh that that i will win uh at least 80 percent of these picks this week that's how good i feel
0: oh that's that's bold okay 80 is that what you said 80
1: percent. so if there's 10 games i'm 8-0. going to two yeah
0: all right. Well, uh, that's 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 bold, and that is quite a high bar. And I'm going to hold you to that because I am expecting to go sixty percent and be happy with it at this point. Okay. All right. So we're going to start off with the first game on Sunday. We're going right at it: Jets <laughs> at Patriots. Pats right now giving six and a half. So I'm going to let you take this one first.
1: Okay. Uh, Patriots better score 30 points uh, as we've covered earlier here uh, uh, multiple times. And when they score 30 points, uh, with a, combine that with a crappy uh, Jets offense and uh, a hopefully rested defense. Uh, they've had seven days now to, to rest the Patriot defense, or at least by, by the time the game kicks off. So you add those two, factors together major j it is indicative of a patriots win and they will cover easy patriots
0: easy all right i i am going to agree with you here i'm taking the pats finally finally getting that elusive first home victory Uh, again as we said earlier i think the the offense the strides they made in that dallas game carry over a little bit here um and we're looking at a pretty inept uh, Jets offense so I think I think the Pats win by at least conservatively 10 but hopefully more but I'm gonna think the Pats uh, getting the points as well
1: all right that brings us
0: into our second game Washington going to Green Bay as we uh spoke about a moment ago with Alan Lazard Green Bay giving seven and a half I am going to go ahead and take Green Bay, giving the points here. I think this is going to be a blowout. I think Washington has a ton of it. They, they do have a ton of injuries on the offensive side. Between again, Logan Thomas, the tight end, is out. Uh, Antonio Gibson playing with stress fracture in his leg, missed the fourth quarter of the last game. Had to have MRIs. He may not even play. Uh, Taylor Heineke's kind of coming down to earth a little bit. I, I just I think there's a lot going on there uh, that they just it's it's not going in the wrong direction. Again, the passing uh, defense is terrible. I think Rodgers and company just goes and embarrasses them. So, uh, absolutely taking Green Bay, giving the points.
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm going to take the Packers as well. Not going to pick against Aaron Rodgers at home. Um, You know, it was pretty. Rather funny, uh, the way he taunted the Chicago crowd, uh, this past weekend, uh, letting them all know that <laughs> he, he owns, owns them, down. he, he owns still owns them. them. Uh, he, he will forever okay. own them. Uh, I don't know that he owns Washington. Look it up, he probably does. I've taken Washington, yeah. Or, no, 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 no. no. no I, I'm taking, taking Greenback, uh, Green right? Yeah.
0: And this is this is before you know Rogers also went on and had his press conference, I think it was yesterday, talking about he's basically comparing this team right now to. The 2010 team that went to the Super Bowl, uh, so that's interesting. I'm, I'm glad he's got high aspirations for for his team.
1: I don't think they're that good, um, but they'll, no, they'll, they'll win this game and they'll cover.
0: Absolutely. All right. So it takes us to our next one o'clock game. That is Cincinnati going to Baltimore. Baltimore giving the six. This is one I'm actually looking forward to. I think this could be a really good game. Sundance, so what's your play on this?
1: I think this is two good football teams that are going to play. Uh, some smash-mouth football in the first half. I like them to air it out in the second half. Uh, I'm actually going to roll with Cincinnati on this one. Um, Lamar is definitely coming into his own this season, uh, not establishing himself, but he's starting to find a rhythm obviously. Um, but I, I, like what Cincinnati does. Uh, they spread the ball around quite a bit on offense. Um, and I do think this is going to be an offensive game in the second half. So I'm actually going to take uh, the Bengals. Uh, they are not for an upset, but I'll take them with the points.
0: No, I like it. Uh, I'll be honest. I'm actually taking Cincinnati with the points as well for, the, for those exact reasons. Those exact reasons. I, I think the with everything Baltimore is doing on offense, Lamar, et cetera, I think Cincinnati can somewhat keep pace with that, with those receivers. Yeah. So Cincinnati has been a very – as great as those receivers have been, as great as Burrow has been, they've actually been a very run-heavy offense in neutral game, game scripts for the most part. I think this is the type of game, kind of what you were alluding to in the second half, that's going to force them to not say scrap the run, but let, let Burrow loose a little bit more yeah. and take advantage of those receivers. I think they're able to. Uh, to take advantage of that and keep that and run that score up, I would definitely take the over 46.5 on this, but I'm absolutely taking the Bengals plus six. So that takes us to our next game at one o'clock. That's the Chiefs going to Tennessee. Kansas City giving the five going there. This so is Tennessee coming off their big home win on Monday night against Buffalo. So now back to bed. That, that's quite a back to back schedule there with, with having Buffalo, then Kansas City at home. Uh, two high powered teams. I, I'm actually going to be taking Kansas City in this game as impressed as I was by Tennessee last week with how they, they, they took down Buffalo. I don't feel like they can replicate that. I honestly don't. Not two weeks in a row, even if they're at home. I think Kansas City, I think starting that second half of that game against Washington last week, starting to click and find something, I think that that's, this could be the start of a role for them. So I'm definitely going to take uh, Kansas City given the five.
1: So. So can we clarify here? Who's getting the five points?
0: Tennessee is getting the five at home. Tennessee
1: is getting the five. Give me Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, okay. Tennessee at home getting the five points. I agree with you. I don't. I don't think they're going to win, um, but I I do actually think that they will keep up uh, with Kansas City. And um, yeah, Tennessee's got heart. They they are a team that – They've uh, got
0: that beast named Derrick Henry who – They do. So what does
1: that tell you? That tells you that if they get a lead, they can control the clock a little bit. Um, So, yeah, I'm going to take Tennessee. That's a good point.
0: All right, great. So next game is going to be Carolina going to the Giants. Carolina's giving the two and a half. What do you think about this one, Sundance?
1: carolina all day uh i I talked to my giants insider in the office this week and um it's it's been the cat is out of the bag uh the, the giants are just an atrocious football team and here's how you really know that i mean put aside the inside information i get in the office uh from from this new york giants uh connection it's amazing
0: what you're privy to to begin with there
1: so look look at my picks percentage um now this week right what what you always have to be leery of and i'll wrap this up right here you have to be leery of players and coaches when they ask the fans to be patient and supportive (laughs) instead of Right. Doing and criticizing when they're not doing, worrying about
0: accountability. You
1: you know, that's never a good sign. Um, Geez, I thought Joe Judge was on track here. He may not be, uh, and and he may not be back next season. I'll say that. I I think I said it a week ago. I'll say it again. You know, he's, he is, he is, it's a dumpster fire over there. And so uh, I will take Carolina all day.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I'm taking Carolina as well. For, for I, I won't even belabor the point. Uh, you've got, two, you know, you basically have two quarterbacks playing poorly between uh, Daniel Jones and Sam Darnold. So it's like flip a coin there. Yeah, the Giants are still down playmakers yes. uh, on the on offense. No Barkley, probably no Galladay again. Um, Shepard's banged up. They lost Kadarius Tony to to an ankle. Like I just at this point, I think I don't want to say Carolina's going to get right. But I'm going to take the team that I think has a better off, a better defense. Rather, I think Carolina can, can go in and, and take this by a touchdown.
1: Yeah, they've played right. on the season. The Giants. I, are sure, like it sure seems like working them. They're done.
0: Daniel Jones isn't playing well. He's not running. Like I don't, I don't know what's going on. He's still very Jekyll and Hyde At this point, I'm I'm all set with that. Uh, okay, so that takes us to the next game, which is Atlanta going to Miami. Atlanta giving two and a half on the road. Uh, I am going to go ahead and take the Falcons here. Um, somewhat of a homer pick, and, you know, I get it, fanboy, whatever. Uh, I'm going to take the Falcons here, as I was talking about, in the Calvin Ridley spot during the Fantasy Five. I think the Falcons' offense is starting to get together a little bit. Arthur Smith is kind of getting things going. I'm not saying they're going to be, you know, gangbusters, but they're they're starting to get get it rolling a little bit. Coming out of the bye, I'd be I'd much rather them at home off the bye, but coming out of the bye, Miami just is in shambles. Brian Flores I I like him as a coach but it, it clearly I think he's lost that team there's rumors of players uh in the locker room just that want out at this point you know again you've got Atlanta coming off of a win going into the bye coming into this game I think again Matt Ryan's playing well things are starting to click I'm gonna go ahead even on the road give the two and a half what do you think
1: okay um so how about this? A, a little tease, and I'll uh, and I'll be brief. Uh, next week's show, we have lined up uh, Matt Kanata of Pro Football Network. Uh, he oh. is an actual uh, football insider. This is a, this is a big name, folks. And, Pro Football um,
0: Network, look it up.
1: Pro Football Network, and uh, it, it's he, he, Matt uh, gives us a lot of. Uh, he provides a lot of inside information. Really good coverage on the Miami Dolphins, and so we're gonna we're gonna take a look at them next week. Hard being a division uh, foe for the Patriots. Uh, I'm gonna take the Dolphins here. Um, you know, I, I just yeah. can't yeah. believe the Dolphins are that bad. Um, and I'm sorry, but the Falcons—they're not a very good football team. Um, they're not. Listen, they're not terrible. But I have ulterior motives. But they're, they're not them, good. They're not listen, good. I have ulterior motives. I want them to slide so that Cordero Patterson is traded back up north to the Patriots. I'm trying to make this happen. Bill, I hope you're watching, and I hope your son is watching. Steve Belichick, I hope you're watching too. Next time that scenario comes up, grab your dad by the arm and call a timeout before he sends the punt team out in overtime.
0: Okay. Wow. Night all right. Making a point there. All right. So next game is going to be uh, now we're into the four o'clock slate. Detroit going to L.A. take on the Rams. The Rams are giving 15 and a half at home. <laughs> By all means, add this one to your 80 percent mark, please. Sundance.
1: Uh... Okay, so you've got this is one where you take a look at the head coaches. You've got Sean McVay lining up against Dan Campbell. Sean McVay is very strong. He's handsome. He's he's in shape, um, but but Campbell will, will will you know bite your knees and ankles, um, and you can't score a lot of points when when your knees and ankles are bit up. So I'm going to take the Lions here. Um, I'm going to call the upset as well. How do you like that? I'm going to call the upset. You know the Rams are not they're they're not one of the top teams for me in wow. the NFC. Okay. No. They're not, they're not. All right. No, they're so who do you
0: who do you have well, well, tangent here? Who do you have the Rams behind in the NFC do you think? Who who, do you, who is definitely oh, ahead of them would you say? Uh,
1: opinion, they're they're, be, they're behind the Cardinals. They are okay. behind the Cowboys. They are okay. definitely behind the Tampa Bay Bucks. So, Okay. Um, those are
0: all for, yeah, those are all legitimate. Yep. Yes. Okay. All right, so we're ta- you're taking Detroit getting the 15 and a half. They're
1: gonna win. They won't even need the 15. And you points. are
0: taking Detroit to get. Wow, this this is that's quite a 180. Given the fact that we were talking about the the, this the Lions last week, this is, it a is revenge, revenge game. Like, for Jared you have to remember, that. it's also a revenge game for Matt Stafford.
1: So, yeah, not really. It's the Lions. Well, like in in, in name, at Stafford's least. a nice guy. He does a gazillion community charity events. He loves Detroit. There's no revenge factor there, but golf. You Goff is the dude who was sent packing. And right. so, um, yeah, I'm going to take Detroit.
0: All right. Well, I am. This is not an upset special for me by any means. I am taking Detroit with the points, um, more or less for the same reasons. I, I just think 15 and a half points is a lot in general. I think Campbell and Goff are going to have too much pride, too much to play for, given the situation going back to LA. I think the Rams do win this, probably going away, but I think. Campbell at least has his team playing and trying and wanting to play hard for him still where even a backdoor cover of that 15-and-a-half is possible. You know, Detroit backdooring it and getting in and and losing by 13, I think is is viable here. This has got backdoor cover written all over for me. So I'm going to go ahead and take Detroit getting the 15-and-a-half, which takes us into the next game on the 4 o'clock slate. That's Philadelphia. Eagles going to Las Vegas, taking on the Raiders. Raiders are giving three. I'll eat off on this one, Sundance. I've I'm actually this one was a tough one for me, actually. I, I took probably longer on this one than any game on the slate. I'm landing on Philadelphia getting the three. I think, despite the loss last week, I think Philly looked pretty decent, held their own against Tampa. Um, I think Hertz, my feeling is Hertz is gonna give the Raiders some problems as far as um, you know, his his RPO style. And Hertz is gonna give
1: the Raiders some Hurts. Yeah. yeah.
0: There you go. That's hey, you can copyright that one. Um, yeah, I, I think he's. I think the Gov- Vegas is going to have some issues containing him, um, and I think you can see Devonte Smith kind of, kind of erupt a little bit uh, for a big game. Uh, generally, the Vegas has been playing. Uh, the secondary has been playing pretty well as far as coverage on receivers, but I think between Hurts' mobility, Devonte Smith getting behind the defense a little bit, I, I'm going to go ahead and take Philly to cover with the three. What say you, Sundance?
1: Uh, no more John Gruden home game for for Vegas. If if I'm not mistaken, correct. Yeah, in, in Vegas. Yeah, give me the Raiders all day, all day long. Raiders right. big. Raiders will win big.
0: Raiders big. All right, lock it in. All right, next game on the slate is actually going to be the Bears traveling to Tampa for a 425 start. Bucks are giving 12. What do you think about the Bucks covering the big number? <sighs>
1: You never know what you're getting with the Bears. I, I, you know they're probably going to lose, but um, but you just don't know offensively. Um, you know, the defense is okay. Uh,
0: this, this could be the game that makes or breaks your 80% mark. So
1: it, it is, which is why I'm really struggling with it. Um, I'm gonna, I'm going to go Tampa. You know what? I'm going to go Tampa at home. They'll put up points. Go Tampa.
0: All right. Uh, I as well. I as well. I am as, well, as well taking taking Tampa here, uh, giving the points. I just – I don't think Chicago, again, offensively can can, can handle it. Uh, Fields has, has, has improved over the last couple of weeks, I believe. But in the end, I still don't trust the coaching staff. I don't trust the play calling. Matt Nagy has his thumb on everything. He thinks he's smarter than he actually is. I think yep. as much as Tampa's secondary is susceptible to the pass and that's where their weak spot has been, I don't think Fields right now or whether it's his talent or you know his ability or the play calling they can take advantage of that enough to be able to keep this game close. I think this is going to be yet another uh Tampa runaway. So I'm going to take the Bucks minus the 12 here. Which takes us into next game is Houston going to Arizona. Arizona laying 17 and a half right now which is crazier than the Rams giving the 15 and a half. Uh, that said, I I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm taking Arizona minus the big number even at 17 and a half after what I saw. I am throwing out the Houston game against the Pats a couple weeks ago. I'm looking more at last week at Indianapolis getting trounced 31 to 3. That that's more indicative of who Houston actually is. I don't see them getting any better from that. That's who they really are. I don't see them being able to keep pace at all with Arizona. I think the Cardinals are going to just go rough shot in this game. Um, you've got DeAndre Hopkins' revenge game. I don't know if he's going to take advantage of it, but it's just another narrative throw in there. I just They're outclassed at every spot. I don't think there's any problem for the Cardinals here, and I don't think, I don't think Cliff Kingsbury is going to have any issue with running up the score to get this, to keep this, this momentum going for the Cardinals. So give me the Cardinals giving the 17 and a half.
1: Okay. So again, I have a Cardinals connection in the office, as you know, uh, someone who is directly linked into Cliff Kingsbury. Um, I have some information. Brian Gosling. I, I <laughs> <Is> <laughs> your, it me? It's your, me. Your buddy, Brian okay. uh, yeah. Gosling uh, and Cliff Kingsbury. Doppelganger. Um, while Arizona is going to win this game, they're not going to win it by that much. Uh, so I'm actually going to take the dumpster fire Houston. Uh, I will take them even on the road. It's not a revenge game for DeAndre Hopkins. It's it's when guys get traded to a better place and and, and they're looking back like thank you very much. Well, it's there's just no, a, re- no revenge going. Not on really there. trying to get revenge. So, yeah. Not right. So I'm going to, I'm going to take Houston uh, and one quick side, side note production wise, major J, uh, when you do go back and edit this one, if you would, if you could maybe somehow find a way to put a bell in every time you say the word indicative, uh, I, I think that is the buzzword this evening. And I, you, you have not hit the limit yet, but I, I want you to just keep that as a side note production. If we could do that.
0: Indicative,
1: indicative, ding. I think it's been dropped at least a dozen times.
0: Is that gonna be for both of us or just for me? <laughs> can I ding you for that as well, please? <laughs> you
1: can ding me for that. As I, well.
0: I plan on it, thank you. All right, uh, indicative dings <laughs> noted, takes us into the 820 game. <laughs> Oh, man. Colts going to San Francisco, traveling cross-country, Niners giving four and a half. Sundance, what do you think on this?
1: Who's playing quarterback for San Francisco right now? It's going to be Garoppolo. It's going to be Garoppolo? It's not
0: confirmed, but all all signs are pointing to him coming off the calf. Trey Lance isn't even practicing with his (laughs) knee. It's going to be Garoppolo.
1: Okay. And the Colts are somewhat showing, you know, some guts and some life. Yes. Uh, I don't like them on the road. I'm not going to take them. I will take San Francisco.
0: Okay. I am actually going to take the Colts getting the four and a half uh, for the reasons we actually just said there. Uh, them as a team and Carson Wentz individually, they're all starting to click a little bit. I, I, obviously, you play Houston, it's a get right game in general. But I think, in, I think overall things are starting to kind of gel and work together a little bit. T.Y. Hilton came back last week. I'm not sure if he's ready to go. He he actually got nicked up in that game, but he potentially could be there as well as another weapon for Wentz. Wentz in general is just starting to fi- starting to play probably the best ball he's played in maybe three years at this point. I think sure. things are starting to come together a little bit. San Francisco, they're good. Something's still a Something's little off. off. And I can't I put my finger on it. So I think this is one of those games, again, I expect the Niners to win, but I think the Colts can play them to within a field goal, so I'm going to take the points. Which takes us into our final game on the slate, which is actually the Monday night game. The Saints are going to Seattle, and the Saints are giving the 4.5 on the road uh, in Seattle. I'll leave this one off. Uh, I am actually going to take Seattle in this one, getting the points. I think despite... The fact that we're, you know, Russ in primetime, not there. Gino has looked shaky at best. I think this being at home. I think the team overall, and your boy Pete Carroll, uh, they respond. They respond in prime time at home. I think the receivers. I think Gino can get the ball enough to the receivers where they can make some plays. Defense steps up a little bit finally uh, and kind of shuts down the Saints. So I'm definitely gonna take Seattle. Uh, getting the points at home, not only getting the points, this is my upset special. I'm going to take Seattle at home for the outright win.
1: Yeah, this is this is a tough one to pick. This is probably the toughest game on the slate. Uh, I, I'm not sure which way to go. Uh, obviously, quarterback issues uh, at hand for Seattle. You know, can Seattle just try to keep the ship afloat um, until, you know, Russell Wilson comes back? Um <sighs> I have a lot of respect for Sean Payton uh, and I like what Jameis Winston is doing. It is on the road and that's important to keep in mind. Um, But I'm going to take the saints. I'm going to take the saints.
0: Saints, All right. It uh, ends up with a, one more head to head that we're going to have to uh, close the week out there. So I guess if you do hit your 80% that you're guaranteeing, that probably puts me at 50 to 60, which was, basically my goal. So we're both, we're both spot on. So that's going to work out well. Looking forward to uh of our records at the end of next week. All right. So that closes out our week seven NFL Padres picks. That's going to bring us into our uh, final segment. Another fun one. It's our top five yeah. horror movies. As we enter now the Halloween season, we're, we're right in the thick of it now, the Halloween season here. And, uh, This should be another fun one given the way some of our other top fives have gone. So I'm going to, I'm going to let you lead off if you want here.
1: Okay. Uh, This is a really difficult list. You know, the criteria is impossible to assign to it. Um, Are you going off of, you know, blood and guts? Are you going off of monsters? Are you going off of, it has a Halloween feel to it. Is it the kind of movie that you watch at this time of year? We threw all that out the window, in a sense, and just said, go with whatever, with the exception of Jaws. So we are going to put this asterisk up right now.
0: Absolute, Jaws is disqualified. Absolutely. Jaws does
1: not count as a yeah. horror movie in this uh, episode. I, I prefer to save that for a different list, probably top five summer, summer movies. movies. Um, summer Catch, I'm sure, will we'll make your your top five uh, mm-hmm. for that that list that, that will come. Uh, it's probably going to be
0: higher today. than four.
1: <laughs> it, it might be. So right. here we go. Top five horror, scary, whatever you want to call it, type movies. Um, my number five is childhood favorite. Watch this, you know, as a six year old, thanks, mom and dad. Um, you know, over and over again can at night during the day. Can I
0: guess it? Finish but then I want to guess it.
1: You could try to guess it. I don't know if you'll get it. Oh, I'm um, gonna get it. I know this one it's swamp thing <laughs> i was wrong I knew it swamp thing was awesome oh, i am i am mind. i am
0: immediately filled with anger that i forgot about this movie because oh, it absolutely would have is, been is there anything it, more iconic than when he reaches up to the sun and regrows his arm it does just just it's
1: Oh, it's yeah. awesome, phenomenal! You, you just hit it in a nutshell. He, the way he regenerates himself based on sunlight, um, and he, you know, he saves the damsel in distress. You know, uh, but my goodness, it, it had a, such a creep factor with the music. You know, it was like a rattle. Um, I, I don't know the instrument that was used for it, but it was it was really cool. Google it if you want. My number five is Swamp Thing.
0: And the villain in that, which also started off as a male, but then transformed and ended up being absolutely disgusting, as far as what he turned into uh, at the end of that movie. So, absolutely, that's that's a fantastic call. I love it. I'm going to tell you what my guess was. My guess was was, my guess was a 1978 remake starring Donald Sutherland called Invasion of the Body Snatchers.
1: Is that your number five? Is not anymore. <laughs> it did. It, it didn't make my. Uh, it didn't make my top twenty six.
0: So what you're saying is Invasion of the Body Snatchers. is not. It's not indicative of what you typically enjoy <laughs> for a horror flick. Thing. <laughs> I get it. Quite made. Like, it is sorry. not my number five. It is on the top twenty. Okay. And if you if you okay. if you need to know, Invasion of the Body Snatchers was actually. Number 10.
1: Pray tell. Well, pray tell, Goody Proctor. What is your number five?
0: Number five. um, If we're being real, you're probably going to have the same type of reaction to this movie. I don't care. It's a guilty pleasure movie. And again, going back to the loose um, restrictions on this list, I just took not necessarily the the top five that I thought were the best movies, just the ones I generally like the most, whatever. That's your list. So so this one, uh, 1996 flick. Um, it's carrying over the theme from last week's show uh, with Quentin Tarantino. It is From Dusk Till Dawn, uh, starring a younger George Clooney, kind of post ER, with uh. Quentin Tarantino, who wrote the screenplay, yeah. directed by famed horror zombie director Robert Rodriguez.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Starring
0: yeah. a couple criminals who kidnap uh, a father daughter couple, mm-hmm. uh, Harvey Keitel and Julia. Juliette Lewis, I believe. Juliette Lewis,
1: yeah. They go down to
0: Mexico, go into a topless bar to hide out. Turns out that bar is filled with vampires. Um, Some awesome cameos in this movie. Uh, It was my first exposure at the time to Danny Trejo, who ends up not realizing Danny Trejo is also in one of my other favorite cult classics, Desperado, with Antonio Banderas and Salma Hayek, who's also in this movie, directed by Ronnie Rodriguez. You had that guy named Sex Machine. Uh, you had Fred Williamson of NFL fame in this, and again Sami Hayek. Fun, gory, flick. I, one of those movies that when it's on, I leave it on. So that was my barometer as far as making this top five. From Dusk Till Dawn, my number five.
1: Not on my top 26. Interesting, interesting pick. I'm not interested in that at all. I didn't expect this to be anywhere near. No, it's
0: a I, I love the movie. I think it's fantastic. Again, probably because it's Tarantino, but whatever. All right, so number four, I'll lead off here. Number four for me is um, the original Saw from 2004. Uh, for me, this movie kind of brought back the genre a little bit. Um, you know, we had you have the heyday of the horror movies and the franchises from like the 70s and the 80s with uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, all, all that stuff. Came back a little bit in the, I think it was like 96 when Scream came out. I think we were yeah. seniors, somewhere around there, right? Which was a good series. That Scream yeah. brought that genre back a little bit. But for me, like Saw, really brought back the horror genre. Um, no, it's a and, franchise too. Please. Yeah, right. And thank you. It's nine movies now. Uh, with I didn't see the last one with uh, Chris Rock, but I thought the original. Usually, I'll go with originals when it comes to these because they, they set all, they set the pace for the whole the whole thing. But uh, I thought it was a really ri- original script. All the puzzles and the character backstories, and the creativity, and the interweaving all those stories and those characters. Carrie Ellis, I thought, was fantastic in it. Twist Great. ending, yeah. which you didn't really see a lot of until this came out. Um, I just, I think it's, you know, I think it's, again, set the franchise up, set the genre up again for the next 15, 20 years. Saw is number four for me. What's your number four?
1: Well done, Saw. Um, Again, you know, this one comes right out of my childhood. Parents of the Year, 19... 19- Eighty-two. I think I was five years old. This one was, you know, rented from the local VHS rental store. This is, this is pretty blockbuster. Did, did you say nineteen eighty-two? Nineteen eighty-two. Oh boy. Uh,
0: I, I, I I have a guess. I'm going to let you go ahead.
1: So, I'm not sure why my parents let me watch as many horror movies as they did as a child growing up. A slight psychological scarring. Um,
0: Uh, Because Sam and Martina are awesome.
1: Fantastic parents. Shout out, uh, Sam and Martina. American Werewolf in London is my number four. But Uh, great
0: call. And again, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm actually angry that one completely evaded me. Oh, to this and yeah. I'm I'm frustrated dead because that would instantly make at least my top ten.
1: This is yeah. this is tough it was done so well uh the makeup artist uh won an oscar i believe um his name escapes me i I couldn't even begin to guess it uh but i I do know that he actually won uh an oscar uh for best uh you know makeup job uh david naughton griffin dunn griffin dunn is phenomenal he keeps coming back back. he's that keeps Looking losing worse his and with- <laughs> face is deteriorating. <laughs> um, so and David Naught has to have these conversations with him, and you know, it's it's uh, some of it is even a Christmas Carol-esque when Ebenezer Scrooge has to have the conversation with Marley, and, and there's it, just uncomfortable, awkward moments. But uh, the, dark comedy, calm, the, com- the, dark the dark
0: comedy, the dark comedy uh, uh, yeah. factor, for, like actually, I think makes that makes it what it is. It, it, it keeps was, it from being just a gore yeah. form. They'd say, keeping entertaining. Absolutely. That's a great call.
1: Definitely. And, and you can't ignore the the, the Bad Moon Rising uh, mm-hmm. part of the soundtrack um, there for clear water Revival. Oh. So, my number four, American Werewolf in London.
0: Another great call. Another great call. Uh, Alright, so what do you have for number three?
1: Number three, keep the list moving. This one is... This one is a little bit more thriller than it is horror, um, but it is a phenomenal movie. I watch it every October, and it is Zodiac. Um, Zodiac with Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, This is a David Fincher flick. David Fincher has a very specific directing style. It is deliberate. Um, It is uh, very... time uh sensitive he he captures everything about the era that he is filming about and um this was you know obviously took place in the late 60s early 70s and robert downey jr i tell you what if you're a robert downey jr fan this was his absolute finest performance yet he is arrogant smarmy humorous uh and brave all at the same time um this movie flat out so many good actors are in this one anthony edwards makes a little bit of a comeback um playing uh anthony edwards yeah plays a detective uh, alongside uh mark uh gosh his name escapes me but he's a phenomenal actor today um number three zodiac Uh, you you gotta watch that movie around halloween it's just it's just a fantastic well done film
0: I'm gonna have to check that one out because i i will admit that one has evaded me so zodiac
1: all right mark ruffalo mark Mark ruffalo i had a film that's we were trying to get out
0: there all right all right so my number three uh this one's going to be somewhat cliche but i it's you know again going back to what i was saying before about the you know the 70s 80s uh franchises when when horror was kind of in its heyday uh number three for me is the original 1978 john carpenter john carpenter uh film Halloween the original Halloween oh Jimmy Lee Curtis uh you know a lot of these franchises could have made the list uh for me Halloween stood above the again the Friday the 13th the uh Nightmare on the oh, yeah. streets all oh, those yeah. all those this, the original Halloween stood above those for me mm-hmm. because not to say it was in and of itself believable but comparatively it was somewhat believable I mean, it was just, I mean, it was a guy. It wasn't a burnt up ghost with a, you know, uh, with a claw with with blades. It wasn't um, some lady's son who drowned to death in the pond who never dies. I mean, this was a guy who, you know, murdered his sister at six, was in a mental institution for like 15 years, escaped. And just naturally wanted to come back to his old neighborhood and satisfy some murderous urges. I mean, that, to me that resonates. That seems like that's legit. Okay, I buy it. Oh, great! And, and he threw great an incredible movie. mascot. I mean, that, William Shatner. That, yeah. that 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 mask is fantastic. William um,
1: Shatner face. yeah.
0: You know, I just thought it, that that is the epitome of like old school horror. When we go back to you know what movies kind of transcend, and I think the original Halloween. Granted, it's it's. Got off the rails with, with
1: right. the number of movies
0: in the franchise. We have a Halloween Kills out right now available on Peacock. It's not a plug. It's just the truth. Uh, I actually might watch it. But nonetheless, I, I think the series has been interesting. I think it all started with that first one. I think the first one was still horror close to its finest. I'll take Halloween all day if it's on. Number three for me. Now we're going to roll into our top two summits. And this is my number two from 1982 also, a John Carpenter flick. This is what I thought you might have been getting at with, with, with one of your earlier picks um, with American Werewolf in London. It was not that. But number two for me, somewhat another guilty pleasure movie. So bear with me. Starring a, uh, a young er, Kurt Russell, in Antarctica with a group of scientists who end up battling this alien organism that takes over the bodies of its victims. Um, John Carpenter's *The Thing*. Um, wow, the thing. I, another one of those movies that, s- story kind of offbeat, but any—I t- like was always kind of enamored with it when I was younger. And again, it's on—if it's on, I'm watching it. I don't know why. I, I, I'm not going to give Kurt Russell an. Answer. It just
1: pulls you in. It just right? pulls
0: me in. But um, Kurt Russell—I believe Keith David was the other um, main character. The two of them ended up. Uh, killing this thing at the, the, the thing at the end, but they also by doing that blew up the entire facility and presumably uh, freeze to death at the end. So I don't know how much you really get out of that um, by killing the thing. But Keith David, side note, also starred co-starred in They Live, a 1988 flick by John Carpenter starring uh, Roddy, Piper.
1: Um, Roddy, Roddy, sorry, Roddy Piper. Roddy, Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper. Keith David or David Keith. I'm not sure, no, I'm not sure. Two first names, I mean. Yeah, but you'll that find guy. it either way at Google. That,
0: that guy. Um, but yeah, number two is good The thing. thing for me.
1: What's your number really two? Really good pick. Uh, the Thing, by the way, is one of my dad's favorite movies. He always really enjoyed The Thing. That does not so, surprise yeah. me whatsoever. A Little bit it. of a classic. It didn't do it for me. I, I haven't watched it more than once, um, so it was not a favorite for me. Um, my number two is, it's a classic. Uh, it is not one that I will watch alone, uh, oh. and I I can say that as a 43 year old man on the verge of 44. Within a month, um, I am not gonna. I, it could be broad daylight, birds are <laughs> chirping, neighbors are mowing the grass, kids tip. are playing <laughs> wiffle ball in the street, and if The Exorcist comes on. I'm changing the channel. <laughs> I'll watch it in bed with my wife, okay. but only knowing that she is going to fall asleep next to me so that if something were to happen, I'm not going to die alone. Uh, there will be someone there it's, with me. There's
0: some comfort there, yeah.
1: Um, or she would protect me. Um, she probably could, could you know... Uh, I, I would do actually...
0: I don't think she could.
1: If I came up against this. But um, my goodness, uh, this was an instant classic. Uh, it freaks you out to your point um, I'm not overly religious but it had that feel of you yeah. oh, this is kind of possible I guess I, right. my parents took me to church the devil is real on one level um, <laughs> right. and and the ending was so bittersweet when father Karis takes the demon out of the girl f- falls out of the window dies down below It is just the the absolute. uh, It just when I was doing this list, I googled a couple things. Um, I had to. I I apologize, but one review on The Exorcist said it just gets under your skin and stays with you after watching it, and that is The Exorcist in a nutshell. That's my number two.
0: I cannot disagree with that. Uh, Great, great points, great flick. Absolutely, Exorcist. All All
1: right. right. Brings us to
0: our number one. Uh, now, I wanna w- when you get into this, I want you to go get into a little bit. G- give me the year that it was. That's from, and I want to see if I can guess it. If you know the year that it's from,
1: sure. Uh, I want to say that it is two thousand. Eight. Oh. Let me just okay. take a so look. Somewhat right recent,
0: now. though. This is not a, This is not an oldie is, but goodie. Okay.
1: I hit it on the. I hit the nail on the head. It's a 2008 film. Um, once again, I won't watch this one by myself. I, broad daylight. I, I'm,
0: I'm gonna make a guess. Go. I'll let you finish. Actually, I, I have two guesses, but I'll, I'll let you finish. And I'm gonna make my guess.
1: I, I even hate recommending it to people because I think they'll watch it, get freaked out. And then come back to me and say, why did you recommend that movie? Like I couldn't sleep for four days. Um It is The Strangers.
0: That's exactly my that was exactly my guess.
1: Liv Tyler, Scott Speedman. Yes. Um talk about a low budget flick i don't know how much it costs to make it Liv tyler probably her salary was the highest expenditure on this one um, because it's a story about you know a guy that that looks to propose to his longtime girlfriend she turns him down and it's the aftermath of those two going back to his parents old vacation house in the middle of nowhere out in the middle of you know a quiet street in suburbia but really quiet like very desolate and these strangers come knocking on the door late at night and this is that that type of flick that you say to yourself oh this is possible oh this could happen yeah and they wear no
0: motive nothing no motive no nothing And they wear those creepy
1: masks yeah it's, it is it is similar to The Exorcist. It gets under your skin and it stays with you. And the loud bangs, the, the, the sound in this movie, the use of sound was really impressive. Yes. My number one top horror flick, uh, it is The Strangers.
0: So The Strangers ended up uh, number eight mm-hmm. on my list. In wow, hindsight okay. now, I think it should have been higher. Um, yeah, and just, just to your point, that's a movie going back to what you were saying before about situations where you don't want to watch it alone etc that's the type of movie that when you watch it or you think about it and you are kind of like in your house at night you know maybe like uh, right now and you think about you're double checking the locks you're making yes, sure the, the if you hear a weird noise you're like alright maybe I don't want to hang out too close to the window um, that kind of stuff yeah no that's that's a fantastic pick yeah um, all right, so that's gonna take me into my number one.
1: Yeah, you're this, number one.
0: This one, um, you know, it's it's probably gonna it's it's high up on a lot of people's lists. I, I don't care. To me, it's just it's an all time classic. <laughs> classic. 1980. Stanley Kubrick. It's The Shining. It's a, you know, I know this. A lot of it's the the storyline. I just for me, after the first time I, I saw it a long, long time ago. It, it got to me and the more I watched it would get to me more and more and more it's you know Kubrick's obviously got you know a lot of movies you know he, a lot of people have, he has his attractors he has his fans etc I think it's obviously his crown jewel I think Jack Nicholson is absolutely brilliant in this is Jack Torrance um, side note there actually is a documentary which I'd encourage anyone if they haven't seen it, to see it it was a documentary style film about the making of this, like Kubrick's adaptation of the, of the book, the Stephen Mm -hmm. King novel. Um, and it's just about a lot of people who think they've like decoded hidden messages and symbols that are used in the film. It's called room 237. I saw it years ago. I'd watch it again. It's fantastic. Uh, another part of this movie that makes me almost like love it in a way is how much I hated Shelley Duvall playing Wendy Torrance, um, in the movie. I couldn't stand to say, I'm I can't stand Shelly Duvall in this movie. For this, yeah,
1: for she
0: forever. was and she annoyed she annoys the ever loving shit out of me in this movie. Um wow. but maybe that's part of like what makes me go back to it. I don't know. It's weird. The Red Rum, you know, the the the, the 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 snow maze, all that stuff. In the end it's just it's it's always gonna take number one for me, despite all these other great movies. But uh yeah. Number
1: one Interesting. interesting the Shining. The Shining. I, when that movie comes on, I change it immediately. Not because I get freaked out by it, but I just, you hate just don't it. like it's, it. Um, no, it's it, it is nails on a chalkboard. It is going to bring on a migraine. I don't find the creepy factor to be overwhelming. I find the entire film annoying. I will say I am outvoted on that in my own house. My wife, my kids, they think it is phenomenal. That they, they they tell me you know, every every halloween season that i am off base and i guess what is kind of cool about that movie is you know it's it's another one that you can put on in an old new england blizzard you know and get the, the yeah. fire stoked and, and go into the fireplace and you put on the shining and it's got that effect i will say that um but it, i'm not a fan uh it, but a lot of know, people are
0: it's funny you know your, your earlier point too about the strangers it's uh <clears throat> It somewhat applies to me to this movie as well. Again, the use of and sometimes lack their use of sound in yeah. the way it plays. Like I think that's what for me that's what makes it kind of brings critical it element. Factor.
1: Critical element for 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 most horror movies, you know, it, it's always indicative of right. uh, you know foreboding. So.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, so that wraps up our uh, our top five horror movies.
1: Those are good lists. You know, we did those, yeah, those. Well yeah, that was. And again, not it, to have any overlap really there. No. Um, um, interesting.
0: Yeah, I think again it was a fun exercise. I, I didn't have as as, as hard a time with that as I did the uh, '90s movies, but it was still interesting to go back and even us going through them now, recalling seeing some of yours and thinking, "Wow, that's right. No, yeah, no, that one too." and even just doing this got me in the mood to want to watch more again right yeah and 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 which brings me to to actually side note another side note is that there were a couple that i think potentially could have made the list but i admittedly hadn't haven't been able to watch them and one of them i wanted to watch last night just to see if it would make my list i didn't have time Uh, the jordan peele movies get out yeah and us I haven't seen either one yet, and and I hate to say that because I want to see them, and I just haven't made the time. um, By by all accounts, they're amazing. So, uh, you know, I guess you throw honorable honorable mention to those as well. Uh, well, I had Get uh, Out
1: at number 23. That was number 23. It made my top 26. Um, Get Out was was definitely...
0: Any, any notables that you wanted to throw out there that didn't quite make the top five I'm curious now what uh, else what you th- that you know you kind of had a tough time with them but it, that made your top 20 but didn't necessarily get into the five
1: yeah I, I hated not putting Sleepy Hollow in there now Ooh. Sleepy Hollow is not the movie that creeps you out but it is my go-to Halloween flick. It just brings me back to old New England. It is, I love, and I know it takes place in New York. I'm okay there, Um, but it's New England-esque and uh, anything around the Revolutionary War times gets me. Um, So certainly I had Sleepy Hollow. That was number seven. Texas Chainsaw Massacre was eight. Uh, I I wanted to get that up there And, and, and lastly, Pet Cemetery. Um, pet, Ooh, Pet was, Cemetery. It was number eleven for me. I couldn't oh, get it. Another
0: one. I five. forgot about. I Admittedly, forgot about it. that.
1: Yeah. So 11. Texas
0: Chainsaw Massacre. You mentioned that. That was eighteen for me. You know, I probably could have gone okay. higher. Um, one that I had a tough time. Well, let's put this way. My my final cut from the five. This is where I had a tough time. You know, juggling my number six. I, I don't believe you're a big zombie guy. Uh, twenty eight days later. Uh, Killian, Killian Cillian Murphy. Um, I also believe He's 2008. Awesome. Uh, that's a fantastic flick. Um, yeah. it, it obviously is about a zombie apocalypse, but there's a lot more to it in terms yeah. of um, societal downfall and a lot of creepier things that go on that aren't related to the to the zombies. Um, number seven actually was an absolute absolute classic. I wanted to get this in my five as well, and I couldn't. Uh, was the original Psycho. Mm-hmm, yeah, that's... Uh, Anthony yeah. Perkins. Uh, you know, Alfred that's another Hitchcock. one that if it's on... Yeah, it's a Hitchcock, I think, you know, it's obviously one of the, the godfathers of, of of horror and thriller. Um, you know, there's there a lot of your, your standard ones here. Like, another one that I really liked and ended up falling kind of down because it just wouldn't make it. And number 11 was this movie called Black Christmas, um, which <laughs> is essentially... <laughs> are you aware of this movie? Okay, <laughs>
1: It didn't make my top twenty-six, but I'm aware. I am aware. I, I am aware no, of
0: okay, I just only because I think it has some novelty to it. I enjoy it because of the novelty. I, I definitely skew towards the older movies, um, just sure. because the grainier nature of those films uh, kind of like draws me in. Um, but yeah, and then you had your some of classics like Friday the Thirteenth Part Two right at seventeen, uh, Poltergeist came in at twenty, yeah, stuff like that. had that
1: one too.
0: Okay, all right. So I think that that pretty much wraps up our. Uh, Let's go wrap up that segment. And it's really going to kind of wrap up our show at uh, this point. So, you know, we, we're going to be coming back next week. Uh, another another big episode. You know, we're going to come back. We're going to be talking about the Sox either in the World Series or we're wrapping up the season and looking towards the offseason. Uh, hopefully the former, not the latter, but we'll find out. Uh, we're going to do a little review on the Pats Jets. Uh, and we're also going to look and preview the Pats going to L.A. to take on the Chargers. We'll have another fantasy segment. We'll have some more NFL picks and we yeah, can... and
1: remember uh Matt Canada from Pro Football Network. He'll give us his yes. take on the dumpster fire Miami Dolphins. And is there any miracle in Miami for this season? Is there any way they could sneak into the playoffs? Is is does their schedule allow for anything there? We'll talk to him next week as
0: well. Well, clearly they're they're gonna be back in the upswing because they're gonna be coming off of a big win at home over the Falcons, according to you. Um, That's right, part of your eighty percent. But sure, uh, we're gonna have so we're gonna have some more more NFL picks. We're gonna go over that, and then we're next week we're gonna come back with another top five, another good one. Credit to you again, Sundance. We're coming back with '90s rap songs, uh, and if no one had figured it out or, figured it out already, uh, these top fives the last few weeks are pretty much indicative <laughs> thing of our age bracket because we keep coming with this holder stuff with the nineties, but that's fine. We're, we're not ashamed of that. We love it. So another big show next week. Uh, That said, we're going to go on before we get out of here. We're going to go ahead and plug us a little bit here. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at two, the number two Padres pod. Uh, We're also on Facebook now as well. Those Padres podcast. Uh, If you're watching us on YouTube, as we said before, please like comment, subscribe. We're not going to beg but we're kind of begging, uh, turn notifications on. So you don't miss a show in the future. Uh, if you're listening to the audio, we're found on most of the main platforms, uh, Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Please rate and review. We love you for it. So Nance, what do we say? It's all part of our world takeover. We just want everyone to join us for the ride. Just want you to be a part simple, of it. Simple, just a simple request. We, we, you know, we just want everyone to become in, be part of the Dos Padres family there it is all right that's the sundance kid this guy that's the sundance kid don't forget it i'm major j we are the dos padres asa to sueños we are